And we welcome you into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shopdoll, C70 at the bat, at C70 on Twitter. With me always, Tara Wellman from Birds on the Black and at Tara Wellman on Twitter. It's the first show of the new year. We've turned the calendar to 2021. And while there's no guarantees of anything, it feels like, boy, it's got to be better than 2020 was. Um, Tara, you and I were talking. We haven't done a show in like two months. I mean, literally two months. And yet... Absolutely nothing has changed in that time period. Um, very little, at least. Nothing that, you know, the Cardinals are still kind of in that holding pattern of maybe they're going to sign Adam Wainwright. Maybe they're going to sign Yadier Molina. Maybe they're going to do something else. But they don't seem to want to do it very quickly. That is for sure. No, someone mentioned to me the other day, you haven't been on a podcast in a really long time. And I didn't respond, but kind of wanted to say something to the effect of, has I has anything happened since the last time <laughs> I was on? I don't think I've missed anything in the time that I've been away. So yeah, it's a weird, weird off season. And I feel like that's been something we've said for many of the past few off seasons, but not in the same way. Like this is just a year where coming off of the pandemic era baseball season that you know, I chuckle because it kind of sounds funny to say, but man, it was, it was a ride to try to get through that for some teams more than others and for some fans more than others. And we're all still trying to figure out what life looks like looks like on a a daily basis and how sports fit into that. So when you're talking about organizations that like it or not do have money that they're dealing with, you know, they're trying to figure out what to spend and how to spend on a season that has absolutely no guarantees. If for no other reason, then we don't know when it's going to be deemed safe to return to normal as cases of COVID spike all over again. And the winter is not a great time for things like that to get better. And we're talking about a month and a half or so out from when baseball would start to, uh, you know, awake from its slumber over the winter. And no one knows what life is going to look like in two months. So it's very weird in a very different way. But it's also weird in kind of the same way in that Contracts are not really being given out. There isn't a lot of movement, not just with the Cardinals, with most teams, unless you know you're the Padres and the Rays. Um, not a lot going on in your worlds right now. So I I feel like weird is a word that I wish I never had to say again, but it's a weird one once again. And I don't really see it getting any less weird anytime soon. No. Um you're right. I mean, spring training games are supposed to start February 27th. I don't think if you wanted to get somebody to put money on that, nobody would take that action right now. Um, the idea that things are going to move along just like normal, just as planned. And I, I think we saw what COVID did to the season last year. And it's, you know, from all from, you know, numerically, at least worse now than it was then it seems very unlikely that the teams are just going to, you know, pack up and head to Florida and Arizona and start doing this. There's been talk about the players or the owners, one side or the other, you know, wanting to require all the players to be vaccinated before they play. That's not going to go over well, um, just because that's a whole bunch of people and we know what people think of vaccines and the fact that you have to wait for those type of things. Um, So many things up in the air uh, that, 
in it feels like roster movement is almost secondary when you talk about the fact that you just don't know what the shape of the game is going to be but roster movement is what we're looking at and you know if the cardinals knew that may 1st they could open the gates and they could have a full stadium i think that would be a lot different i mean we know how conservative and you know fiscally sound if you will i don't know if that's really the word i want to use but um you know they like to have their plans fairly concrete um, and there's nothing about this coming season that's concrete. If they, you know, said if they knew they're going to draw two and a half million, they could plan accordingly. They don't know that they're going to draw anybody, and and that seems to have paralyzed not only them, of course, but most of the anybody that's not a San Diego Padre, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the Cardinals are probably less comfortable than any of the rest of us with financial uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, I've gotten very familiar <laughs> with financial uncertainty in the last uh, you know, eight or nine months. But that's a huge part of this for everyone right now. And, and the Cardinals tend to be maybe on the more conservative end of that. So that doesn't really lend itself to a whole lot of exciting things happening in the offseason because they just don't have answers to a lot of the questions they're going to want to ask ahead of a 2021 season that could be anything at this point. And that's not even, you know, to put the CBA on the table at this point. Right. That's just without that in the conversation, what does baseball look like in 2021? And how much are they going to be able to count on the money that they plan to make or that they would need to make or that they would hope to make in a normal season in order to put some of that back into the game. Look, we all want baseball for the sake of baseball, but the people who own these teams own them to make a profit. Now they'll tell you they don't. People will say it's, it's a thing that you do for the the sake of owning a team, but (laughs) there's money involved, right? Let's, let's be real. And they, 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 create these teams at a great expense i mean you start adding up the numbers and it is it's a ton of money that we're talking about now do they have a ton of money yes Mm -hmm. but it's not just like throw in a birthday party for your kid you know and trying to figure out how much money you can spend per child right like this is (laughs) this is a very costly endeavor and it really is fair for them to want to know to some degree what kind of money they're working with in return i think where fans get frustrated is looking at how much money they have to work with in general (laughs) compared to how much money they don't want to spend Um, But it is a a weird balancing act to figure out how to do business when there's no level of certainty in any sort of plan ahead of time. So I I, I guess in that regard, I understand the hesitancy. I think as a baseball fan, it's just another frustrating winter of watching the Cardinals do absolutely nothing. And that part's not so great. Yeah, I think that... If this had followed a very active year last year or the year before, I mean, you, you got the Goldschmidt trade in there, you know, what, two winters ago now, I guess. Um, but even that didn't quite seem active. Uh, you yeah. know, it's like one move. It was a big move, but it's like one move. Um, you know, then maybe you say, okay, yeah, we get that. You know, maybe there's more understanding of what the owners are going to be. So like you said, I mean, there was a ton of money laid out this year with not very much money coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talk, <clears throat> we talk often about the Springfield site, you know, that, ha- that costs money 
to, you know, put on um, with utilities and players and coaches and, you know, video staff and all the people and all the stuff that went on with that. They paid minor leaguers that were that's more than they probably normally do, um, which is sad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've had that discussion and everybody knows about that. But still, they did have to pay, you know, a little bit more of that than they with no offsetting uh, revenue. There are other things. Um, again, and without them opening their books up, it's not like you're going to get anybody that's going to, you know, really feel too sorry for them. Um, but I can understand where, at least where they're coming from in some degree, but it also feels like that's a cover. It gives them cover for doing what they probably would have done this winter anyway, um, <laughs> which is more than likely nothing. I, I mean, I feel like a regular season, they pick up the option of Colton Wong and maybe they would have already signed Wainwright and Molina by now. Um, and that maybe that's a little bit of a sticking point. I mean, I get they're trying to figure out markets and there's other things that that regard, but if you don't know anything about 2021, don't you go out and try to lock those two guys down for just for the simple point of you've got some sort of nostalgia or goodwill or good feelings to sell your fans versus, um, you know, watching them walk somewhere else. And all you do is bring in some, you know, platoon bat that's not going to move the needle. Yeah, the entire, I don't know, philosophy uh, on whether it's Colton Wong or Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright this year is a little bit odd to me in the sense that if you're not planning to go out and do anything to actively make your team better than it was last year, is your option really to like actively make it worse? (laughs) Is that the best thing you could come up with? And, you know, look, what Yadier Molina has left offensively or how much he can or should be playing behind the plate, what Adam Wainwright can repeat in a full-length season. And, you know, to some degree, if Colton Wong is the core piece of your lineup that you maybe at one point hoped he would be. I guess those are all fair questions to ask, but you're not going to get better than them by spending less money. Mm -hmm. So if your goal is to not spend more money in a season with no guarantees after a very short season with no fans, what does this do for you? (laughs) It just, it's very strange. And, you know, I think there's a lot to be said for, you know, maybe particularly the Yadier Molina market slowly developing because of everything else that is slowly developing and the Cardinals not wanting to pay more than they have to to keep him, but they don't know what they have to spend to keep him yet. Adam Wainwright, I don't quite know why that's a thing at this point. I mean, yeah. why not? Um, it's I, I don't think it hurts the Cardinals at all to give Adam Wainwright a contract again. Um, but it just I don't it's it's hard once again to see what they're trying to do if they're not just trying to dump salary and if that's what they're trying to do then you you can't spoon spoon feed a fan base with this idea that you're trying to compete if you're not doing anything to resolve the issues that were a problem last year you know I said something about this on Twitter the other day we're still getting this line that we need to see what we have in Lane Mm -hmm. Thomas and uh, Tyler O'Neill and 
Dylan Carlson and Harrison Bader. Like, I don't know how many years you give Harrison Bader to see what he has until you decide, oh, this is what he is. Um, And at the same time, you're really kind of handcuffing Mike Schilt with this organizational need to see what you have instead of giving him actual tools to work with (laughs) and letting him do his job, right? So it's, it's just a very confusing mess of perhaps mixed messages, or maybe we're just stubborn enough to think that they should be trying to win. So that's what we're reading into their messaging when they're really just trying to tell us by their actions more than anything else. Now, we just don't want to spend any money this year. And that's it. Of course, you know, they also maybe they should have seen what they had in Randy Rosarena. Um, <laughs> it's an argument mm-hmm. that uh, has been made this winter for sure. Um you know, and again, we'll see if that works out when Matthew Libertor is still a ways off, but uh, maybe we'll see him in 2021. Um, and maybe we can then see if that trade was evened out. But, you know, it is interesting to see what players, what players get that extra bit of rope. You know, Tommy yeah. Fan, they kind of mm-hmm. knew what they had in Tommy Fan, but then he struggled and they thought maybe that's what they had in Tommy Fan. And, obviously it wasn't um you know randy rose Reina again same thing but harrison bader who you know has had a couple of years now of well you really don't know what that is or you know well you know he's got a glove but can he hit um you know he's still gonna get another few options i don't know it's it's interesting to know what favorites they pick and um and things like that but it's a it's a difficult situation now granted they're kind of in a place where they can win by attrition um, because it seems like everybody else in the national league central is perfectly willing to tell you they're not looking to win. They're looking to save, you know, I guess the Cardinals by semi standing pad, except for Colton Wong are almost like the, you know, most aggressive team that's out there. Um, Does that, I mean, is that really where the Cardinals are? They're going to be favorites to be a 82 win team and win the division by four games. You know, I think it's a frustrating situation for Cardinals fans to come to the conclusion that that's enough for this organization. Mm-hmm. I think when you look around at what other teams have done now, do the Cardinals need to be as aggressive as the Padres? Probably not. Do they need to try to buy a team like the Dodgers have? Probably not. They're not going to be the Yankees in that sort of, you know, competitive we're gonna just pay everybody we can think of kind of way and that's fine I I don't think that's really what anyone realistically would want the Cardinals to do there's just just sort of this feeling of good enough is good enough that isn't really look this is an obnoxious way to say this but it doesn't really feel like the Cardinal way (laughs) it doesn't really feel like that we're going to be the, you know, the, the small market team that does well by training up our own homegrown talent and winning because we're better than the teams that spend a lot of money. Like at least with that, uh, that mentality, the goal was still to win a championship, not Mm -hmm. to just sneak by with a division win in a weak year for the NL central and see what happens in the postseason. Like 
when that became okay, when that became the goal, or when it became obvious that that was the goal, right? Maybe that was it all along and they just got lucky a couple times in the recent past. But when that became the public goal, just win 85 games and see what happens from there, it feels a little bit like that's not what the Cardinals are supposed to do, right? right? Even if they're the little guy that doesn't have all the big name superstars that can't pay teams or players like the Yankees can, they're still going to go out there and try to convince you that they're the best team out there. Not that they're just a team that's good enough to maybe make it into the postseason. sometimes. That's a very different mentality that doesn't feel great when you're wanting to see this team overcome some of the issues that it's had for a number of years consecutively now and also watching them kind of subtly dump salary without actually saying that that's what they're doing and then being listed as kind of the accidental favorite in the division. Like, what is that? That's not anything that anyone wants to be proud of as far as the fan base is concerned. So even if that's true, even if they can sort of stumble their way into an NL Central title because every other team in the division is just kind of like, nah, we're we're starting over. We're not going to try to make anything out of this. It's odd to try to suggest that's a satisfying way to win a division title. Yeah, and the problem is when you start aiming for 85 wins as your goal, you don't always get there. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you aim for... Well, even lately, you know, the goal was 90 wins, which was okay. That's not bad. But, you know, that also gets you an 88 win team about as often as it gets you a 92 win team. And there's a bit of a difference between those kind of teams. Um, you know, 88 team, you might make the playoffs as a wild card. You might not. You know, 92 win team, you're probably going to be playing in October and maybe a, a at least a contender. Um. I don't know if the front office has shifted its focus so drastically or if they're still just trying to figure stuff out. And, and that may be part of it too, is, is, you know, we like to give the front office a lot of credit for being smart people. I think at times in general, I mean, in, in, a, in the front office for the Cardinals usually has been, but this is right now a situation that they very well may be in over their heads as well. Um, you know, trying to just, figure out exactly what's what's going on and and what they should do um it's it's not ideal but um you know and we'd like to think they have a better grasp on this but you know it's such an unprecedented situation i think that's the word of the year for 2020 uh was unprecedented um and and that's the case i mean well, how do you how do you prepare for this how do you how do you survive this and you know we've referenced it a lot that the zoom call we had with John was there like right before everything blew up this year and we saw how worn he was then and it just got worse. I, I you know, I still don't know if, if John was had a good night's sleep since March, you know? Um, and that's, I mean, that's going to wear on some people too. So, you know, again, not to give them a pass, it feels like some of this is a culmination of what they've done the last couple of years. Like you were saying that if they were in a stronger position, after 2018 and after 2019, then you bite the bullet in 2020 and that's okay. But when you're in a kind of tentative position anyway, 
getting hit with something like this is difficult to, to, to overcome. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that sort of organizational philosophy that I was referring to as far as like, let's just get there if we can and see what happens. That's not a post 2020 thing. That's a Mm -hmm. last several years thing. And that's to me where there seems to be a disconnect, at least as far as the, the sort of public commentary and what actually happens, you know, where they put their money or don't. Um, So that's the part that that kind of bothers me to watch from the outside looking in. As far as the the, the post-2020 stuff, yeah, I get it. Like I said, these are all all businesses on some level that lost money or didn't make as much money as normal. And their costs are still very, very high when you look at all the money they have to spend every year in order to put a product on the field. So that part's all very reasonable. And the fact that, look, I (laughs) use myself as an example. My career is still very much in flux, if not in doubt altogether because of the pandemic and what that has done to what used to be a a full-time job for me. So I understand probably with, with some level of clarity, what it means to try to figure out what a new year looks like when there is no resolution to the thing that took away your job, right? Right. Like I get that. Um, I have some sympathy for that. I think in general though, the, the organizational mindset has been a bit perplexing the last couple of years and, add to that the complexity of uh, pandemic era baseball. And, you know, it's hard, it's hard to really even know what to say or what to think or, or what to expect from them because there's no clarity. There's no certainty. There's no real idea of what baseball is going to look like three months from now, much less three years from now. So it's, it's, I understand the predicament that they're in to some degree, but that doesn't, you know, eliminate the the little bit of frustration that's cumulative over the last several years that got them to this point where letting go of Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina and Colton Wong all in the same offseason is seen as, yeah, that's a thing we should do, yeah. potentially. <laughs> so let's take that as a jumping off point <clears throat> for the last little bit of the show. I mean, what people do around the new year um, besides the resolution thing is a lot of times make predictions about what's going to happen. And (laughs) I don't expect anybody to one, you know, use these for any sort of, you know, cast iron. This is what's going to happen or two to bring this back up later when we're completely wrong. But a couple of questions, just a, you know, gut feeling type of thing. One, Will spring training start? I don't. I don't think it's usually around the, around Valentine's Day. Will it start in February, or will it be pushed back a month, two months? What do you think? My gut feeling is no, it will not start in February, but they will try to get it going as early as possible. So let's say sometime in March. Okay, and I definitely do not think it'll happen in February. Um, maybe, maybe a month delay to late March. That would make sense. Or maybe even later 162 games. How close do they get to that? Uh, well, how badly do they want a shorter season in general? Hmm. 
Fair. Because as we saw last year, the owners wanted 60 games. They were always going to keep the negotiations public until they got to 60 games. Mm-hmm. So if they want, if someone wants a shorter season overall in general, not pandemic shortened, as has been discussed in the last couple of years, we go back to a shorter season. Maybe they try to get to that mark because, you know, leave no good tragedy unused, right? So mm-hmm. might as well. Okay. Yeah. That's not a number. It's just no, a <laughs> it's just a philosophy. Philosophy, yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean we we were talking on Mutual this week and I said it may be you know, we didn't see 162 games last year. We're probably not going to see 162 this year. With the strike looming, we may not see 162 next year. And like you said, if they actually do changing some of the schedule, we might not see 162 again. Yeah. Um, but for this year, boy, I'm starting to think, uh, you know, I may first start maybe the early, you know, with 50% capacity, assuming the vaccines are getting spread out like that. I, I have trouble believing it's any earlier than that. So, you know, 120 games, maybe, but that's probably the most. And like you said, if, you know, if they're looking to, you know, if it, if it looks like they can't have fans, then that becomes a less, <clears throat> they're going to do what they did this year and try to get lesser things. Um, does the DH come to the national league this year? Uh, I feel like they, once again, used the pandemic altered Mm -hmm. rules and protocols to get it last year. So in my mind, it kind of depends on how altered the season continues to be because of of COVID protocols. So uh, my initial instinct was no, not this year, but watch out for it in the next CBA. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think it's now that it's happened, especially... It's probably coming the next CBA. It feels like one of those things, and we've seen it talked about, that it's that bargaining chip. That both sides would kind of yeah. like it, but they're not going to give it to the other side without getting something else. Now, that being said, I think it's probably one of those things that we see like we did this year, where they make this agreement, and then, okay, well, the agreement's happened, so now we're going to agree that, yeah, they can have the DH, and yeah, they mm-hmm. can expand it. You know, because originally that idea was, okay, we're going to, you know, we're going to say, let the commissioner set the schedule, but that means the old rules. It means 10 teams in the playoffs. It means no uh, DH in the National League, blah, blah, blah. And then they came out, you know, days later and said, oh, yeah, we'll just do the DH and all that. And I, I feel like that's the kind of thing that's going to happen again. I know they're telling the teams yeah. not to, to, to plan for it, to not have it, but they're probably going to have it. And it's probably going to come around at a very inconvenient time. And the Cardinals are going to have to sign somebody like Brad Miller to be their DH cleanup guy again, which, <laughs> you know, like two days into spring training. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. That, which, that's That seems pretty par for the course. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, let's see. Minor leagues. You've got, I know this is something near and dear to your heart. Yeah. We've, we know that baseball has, gone ahead with their realignment plan and, and it didn't affect the Cardinals too much. Affected a lot of t- other places a lot more. But putting that aside, do we have a minor league season this year? Oh man, on a personal level, I just really hope so. <laughs> I just, I love minor league baseball and I know that it has its flaws and it has its problems. And I have been as frustrated and, and, 
saddened as anyone by the kind of destruction of minor league baseball as we know it. But man, those guys, uh, they, they work so hard just for a chance. Mm-hmm. And it's a really, really special opportunity for fans as well to maybe casual fans see baseball in person without spending a fortune to do it. And for young kids to get a chance to see these players up close and personal, man, it's, it's so special. And, you know, it wouldn't be on brand if I didn't dodge your question in order to sing the praises of minor league baseball for a moment, but it's just, it's such a cool environment. The people who work in minor league baseball work tirelessly and do like 17 different jobs every night and you know it was a really really hard summer for all of those people who have given decades of their lives to minor league baseball and then it just was gone so I don't know that I have a prediction at this point because it feels like anything beyond what I'm gonna have for breakfast in the morning seems a little (laughs) bit precocious to uh to try to suggest might happen but I really hope so. And and I know it's going to be different. And I know there are a lot of people who are disappointed by the loss of a team or the loss of an affiliation or whatever it is. But for anyone who still has that affiliation and still has that team, even if it's now an independent league team, those small town baseball nights in the summer are just really special. So I, I really hope we get some some sort of minor league season, that's for sure. My feeling is, maybe I'm overly optimistic, my feeling is there'll be some sort of season. It may start July 1st and run all the way through September instead of stopping at September yeah. 1st. Um, but once, once the vaccine is more widely spread and once the they feel a lot more comfortable because, you know, we've talked about it a lot last year. Minor leagues don't have the major league TV contracts like the others do. You know, they, they have to have fans in the stands and they have to have them at pretty much hundred percent capacity. They can't really get by with 25 or 40% or whatever the case may be. But I think if you get to July uh, and it's looking like, you know, we're kind of out of the woods, you know, I think they try to put together at least a three month season because, the development of, of yeah. some of those guys, yeah. uh, you know, I know that Springfield was probably pretty good for them. I know they got some good data. I know that that's, but even if that was the equivalent of a season, which it wasn't, not everybody was in Springfield. Right. I mean, there's a lot of guys, a lot of lower prospects, a lot of guys that, that didn't get to the training. I mean, they worked out, they did their stuff, they did what they could they didn't get live pitching or they didn't get, you know, coaching and to, to miss that for one year is bad enough to miss that for two years would end some careers. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the other side of it for sure is, and not only the, not only the guys who got to Springfield and had that whole experience, but look, I think John Mozeliak even, kind of conceded the fact that they maybe didn't use that whole Springfield thing quite right when they were making up that roster because they wanted it to be more for development. And then all of a sudden you saw a bunch of those guys having to play on the major league team because they had to, like it was, it got weird for a little while. And we saw so many major league debuts that they probably had never intended on actually happening that year, but it just was the way things worked, especially 
when, you know, the Cardinals had so many players that ended up with COVID. So mm-hmm. that whole Springfield camp was less like, uh, you know, the the developmental camp that I think John Moselec wanted it to be and more like the holding room for the <laughs> next guy up when someone else tested pot. So it just, I, I don't think it, it worked out in the development route as much as Jamal like wanted it to. So it's important for those guys, even the ones who made major league debuts and maybe didn't do so quite successfully uh, to, to have that time to develop in kind of a more normal fashion. But for a lot of those younger prospects, for a lot of the guys, honestly, guys that have been in the organization for a number of years and haven't had their big break yet missing out on last season you're right. It might have cost them their careers. And that's, yes, from the organizational standpoint, having a minor league season is absolutely crucial for trying to get some sort of return on their investment in these players, even if the investment is not as large as it should be. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> nonetheless, huge for these guys to get a chance to get out and play in, in real games and get those reps in and and learn from game action as opposed to just kind of like seeing themselves on video and getting a a video call from a trainer and going from there. It's just, it's definitely not the same and it's definitely not helpful in getting them one step closer to the big leagues. All right. Last question. Do the Cardinals sign either or both Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina or, or neither? I would say, Hmm. I sort of go back and forth on this every other day. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think it's just because we're not really getting any real information. I I think sort of sentimentally, I can't imagine the Cardinals just letting either of those two players walk without making a a real attempt to keep them just because like you try to pride yourself on the legacy of who your players are and what they mean to your city. And in the modern era, there aren't two players who mean more to the team in the city than Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina. So how do you not at least make an attempt? Um, But also (laughs) I've said this before as well. I can't imagine those two players wanting to come back without feeling like they have a chance to win. They're not playing at this point just to rack up a few more years on, on the the Wikipedia page, right? They're playing because they want to play for something. And if the Cardinals aren't going to even make a reasonable attempt to look like they're playing for something, I don't know if Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina want to come back to St. Louis. So if they get a better offer, they might take it because it gives them a better chance to win. So that's sort of where my head's at with why they would do either of those things. And because of that, I go back and forth every other day thinking, yeah, he's obviously going to stay in St. Louis. He's just being dramatic. Like he tends to be. And of course, Adam Wainwright is going to get a contract. They just have to figure some other things out first, but I would be lying to you if I had any more of a a prediction than that. I, I think Wainwright in my mind is, is more likely um, we've heard him, you know, we heard him talk a link to the Braves, but then they went and got some pitchers. feels like the only other team that we've heard him really semi linked to is the Royals and, you know, teaming up with Mike Matheny again might be fun for him. It's not going to help the whole winning thing. Um, especially not for next year. 
Um, Yachty, I, boy, I mean, when you go on Instagram to poll people on where you should go and, um, when you kind of through your brother or not, you know, kind of, you know, what have you done for me lately? The organization a bit, um, it, it makes me feel like he's more willing and to, to walk than, than we would like to think. I mean, cause we want these guys to really want to be in St. Louis, right? I mean, we want to be able to blame the ownership if they don't come back. Like, oh, <laughs> right. they, didn't, they didn't spend the money. We, you know, but I mean, what we've seen out of Yachty, and again, that's public posturing perhaps toward it. And he's obviously said a lot about St. Louis over his career, and he seems to have a contachment, but just some of his actions this offseason have made it at least appear that that, attra- that attraction is not as deep as, as we would kind of, of like it to be. Now, like I said, maybe it's all trying to push the front office a little bit, but I feel like I could see him going somewhere else. Um, you know, the question is whether Yachty or what Adam follows him or, or decides that he'd like to, you know, stick with the Cardinals. I, you know, one of those things that it would be nice if they could maybe finalize that pretty soon. So we would, <laughs> Although, if they did, what would we talk about for the next hour? True. So, True. Yeah. There's that. Give us, give us something to work with here. Mark. That's right. So, all right. Well, Tara and I will be back at some point in time. Again, when, when, when you can go two months and there's nothing new, um, you know, don't expect us every week probably. But, you know, maybe the Cardinals will surprise us and we'll get back on here soon. But uh, until next time, whenever that may be, that's Tara. I'm Daniel. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans, thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under Podcasts and click Subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in Baseball Heaven.